0: First Chronicles ch- tonight. First Chronicles chapter four. You'll find your place there. We're going to look at just a verse here in this list of genealogies and men's names. In verse nine, you have the famous uh, prayer of Jabez tucked away. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, "Because I bear him with sorrow." And then Jabez's prayer. Oh, and Jabez called on the Lord on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it might not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Tucked away in the midst of these lists of names, and you read on, name after name. And then in verse 23, I want us to lend our attention tonight. These were the potters, and those that dwelt among plants and hedges, and there they dwelt with the king for his work. May the Lord open our hearts and minds to his Word tonight. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the treasures, the gems, the jewels hidden away in your scriptures. Oh, the depths of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are your judgments and your ways past finding out. And as we mine out the gold of your Word, I pray that you'd bless us tonight, Lord. We've come to hear from you. Would you build us up in the faith? Would you help us to be fruitful and productive and blessed children of God? And in this local fellowship, Lord, may we all bear our part of the burden and do the work of the ministry. We thank you for these workers and the pattern that you've given to us in your word. And help us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 23, these were the potters and those that dwelt among plants and hedges, and they dwelt with the king for his work. Throughout the scripture, the Holy Spirit records for us all kinds of pictures to help us to see and to illustrate spiritual truth. The work of the Lord is often sometimes referred to as a temple, the body of Christ, a vineyard, And here we see some interesting words used to describe the Lord's work and the king. We have in these verses a whole family of craftsmen, of handicraftsmen, tradesmen, who applied themselves to all kinds of handwork. Uh, They had distinguished themselves in these areas, verse 21 tells us, of families who devoted themselves to making expensive linen. It's also noted in their genealogy that there were those that the best weavers in the kingdom they made the priest the garments for the high priest, the holy garments of precious linen. Verse 14 tells us of another family of craftsmen. And these all dwelt together in a valley that the commentator Matthew Henry calls the great the valley of craftsmen. And we see them here together dwelling and serving and doing what their hands could do for the kingdom and for the king. They evidently chose to live close together among others of the same talents, as theirs, to compare notes to help the, one another improve their craft, their weaving, their pottery, whatever it was, their planning, all that that was done for the king, and by so doing everyone else 's reputation in the valley was esteemed because of the excellent work that came from there throughout history. Uh, Craftsmen would join together in guilds. Uh, Paul was a tent maker, and whenever he would go to a city, uh, he would join himself he would go to a certain area of the city where all the tent makers joined together that's how he met aquila and priscilla they would share tools they would share knowledge of how to to do their crafts and uh... Kind of un- different than it is today, people tend to, to shy away and to protect their secrets, the trade secrets, and and be protective of their work. But in these days, in the verse that we have illustrated here, these people would join together in groups. The potters, the, uh, the, the weavers, and the different ones would join together and help each other. And by that, they all became better and famous in their work for the king. Even today, if you were to go to... Uh, if you go to certain places, you'll see uh, out uh, on the the window or hanging above the, the shop, uh, you'll see the phrase, by appointment to the queen. It's a very esteemed privilege to be chosen of the queen, that their wares, their work, their service has been used by her, and uh, they brag about it, and rightfully so. They want you to know that they have a, a, an arrangement with the queen to make certain things for her whatever their their trade may be you might see an umbrella shop and they'll have a sign there by appointment to the queen that means she uses them and what a noted thing that, that is to have that approval uh, of the queen uses us and one of the craftsmen married the daughter of the king of egypt according uh, to verse 18 and they all brought up their children from one generation to the next to take up the father's work and historically that's the way it was And once you were born in a certain family of serving in certain ways, a a certain craft, that would be uh, carried on from generation to generation. They were not ashamed of being craftsmen, of working with their hands and doing what they did. Spurgeon said that he thought that the potters here in his uh, sermon on this text represented those who worked with children, who formed lives. And uh, as we saw this morning, the children's choir here, I thought of this verse, the potters who helped mold young people and and, and esteem, uh, instill the word of God in their hearts and, and minds. I visited a woman uh, in a, in a spo China shop in the the town of Stoke-on-Trent, England. That's where all the pottery came from, uh, that, that we know, Wedgwood, uh, all those famous uh, brands were, were centered. It's very much like this verse describes, the Stoke-on-Trent. If you visit that that town in England, you'll first notice the chimneys, of, of the kilns that made the different china. And I, I went to one of the shops that did nothing but make this exquisite porcelain uh, flowers. And I'm not talking about just anything. These flowers looked absolutely real, although they were in porcelain. Unbelievable roses and other things. And, and she said they were paid by how many dozens they could turn out in an hour. And uh, they had to to be flawless and look exactly like the real flower. Peonies, roses, spider lilies, and so on. Unbelievable work. And she said it was a dying art. There were very few who would even do it anymore. It it required so much attention and skill and uh, tediousness. And that she didn't know if it would even survive to the next generation. This was just a few years ago that that particular kind of art would die out. She was very proud of her work, and rightfully so. And uh, I thought of this verse. There were also potters and gardeners, our our verse tells us, who worked for the king. They dwelt among plants and hedges. And we often use that phrase, in the vineyard of the Lord, in the garden of the Lord. Life is made up of work. It is a a gift from God. Uh, One of the first things he gave for Adam to do was to keep and to oversee the, the garden of Eden, the very planting of the Lord. And uh, so it's a, it's a work is given to us for our benefit. The Lord knows that uh, we need to be busy and that we need to redeem the time and to give ourselves over uh, to uh, important things and to, 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 for his honor and glory. He told Adam, "...in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. By the sweat of your brow you shall earn your living." And as our grandparents taught us, and it's certainly true, this is not a verse out of the Bible... Uh, but it's the, the adage is true, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. As Spurgeon said that some temptations befall the industrious, but all temptations befall the idle. And so it does not, being busy does not mean we won't be tempted, but you can be certain if you're not doing anything, there's a vacuum there that the devil will take uh, opportunity. And so we should uh, be careful about this. God's kingdom requires workers in every area. Someone has said that the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. <laughs> and that's true. Uh, where There's something that's notable. It, it is the result of industriousness. People doing what they know to do with all their might and all their, their, uh, their energy. It may be on a kitchen floor or in a busy shopping store or teaching nursing day by day till limb and brain almost give way. Yet if just there by Jesus thou art found, the place thou standest is holy ground. Let no one think that what you do or where you're employed or your part uh, in the, the service of the Lord here at this church is not important. It takes everyone doing what they do for the work of the Lord to be accomplished. The Bible tells us in Psalm 111 verse 3 that the Lord's work is honorable and glorious and that's true in whatever capacity, His creative works, His work on earth, and the work that He does through us. To me, one of the most amazing verses is our Lord, and I'm paraphrasing here, is saying, greater work will you do. He, he's telling His apostles that, that through Him and being deputized by Him, that that greater work they would do. And the Lord's arms and feet and his, his, his kingdom is extended through His church. And what an amazing thing is that the Lord has chosen... To do his work here on earth through frail and uh, broken and flawed people like you and like me. The Bible tells us, and let us never forget, the Lord's work is honorable and glorious. It certainly is, isn't it? Everything about it is glorious, it's eternal, it's uh, appointed by him. He's the architect, he's given the plan, his church, with all the, as I've mentioned, our flaws and problems. We are here by God's divine appointment, and uh, it's such a glorious thing. We should be teaching our children this. Please let your children know that the Lord's work is glorious. It's a privilege that whatsoever their hands find to do, they should do it with all their might, to do it with their might. It grieves me to see so many believers, children, not being faithful to the Lord's work and to his church. A minister was approached by a man who wanted to join the church but the man said, I have a very busy schedule. I can't be called on for service. I can't serve on a committee. Or I can't teach or sing in the choir. I just won't be available for any special projects or help with setting up chairs or anything like that. And I'm afraid I'll, I won't be able to go on visitation or, as my evenings are all tied up. And he went on and on and on about what he couldn't do. And the minister thought for a moment and uh, replied, I believe you're at the wrong church. The church you're looking for is just down the street on the right and I think that that church will be better suited for, for what you can do and for what you're looking for. And the man followed the preacher's directions, and he soon came to an abandoned, boarded-up, closed building uh, with the sign on it for sale. It was a, a dead church gone out of the business. Now, it takes a church full of workers, of, of potters, and those who dwell among plants and hedges that dwelt with the king. Notice that with the king and for his work uh, to do what, what the church needs, needs to get done. God doesn't bless laziness. And he doesn't bless lackadaisicalness, just any old thing that goes, especially when it comes to his business. Uh, God doesn't call lazy people. D.L. Moody said, It is observable that God has often called men to places of dignity and honor when they have busy and honest employment of their vocation. Saul was seeking his father's donkeys and David, his father's sheep, when he was called to the kingdom. The shepherds were feeding their flocks when they were heard the glorious revelation of the Lord coming. God called the four apostles from fishing, from Matthew from collecting taxes, Amos from the horsemen of Tekoa, Moses from keeping Jethro's sheep, Gideon from the threshing floor, Elisha from the plows. God never calls a lazy man, and God never encourages idleness and will not, uh, despise persons in the lowest of employment. Well, here in our text, we see various people who serve the king. Uh, to serve a king is an honorable thing. Think about it. What if if uh, the president called and asked you to do something, whatever it would be? What an honor it would be for that, that office to, to be employed uh, and, and to be used in that way. And uh, we, we, we marvel at that. But we serve the king of kings, don't we? The Lord of lords. And all that we should do should be in His honor and glory. We notice, first of all, here in this simple text, that that the King uses all kinds of people to get His work done. Aren't you glad of that? It's not just the rich and famous. It's not just the intelligent. Thankfully, or the, those who are, are are head and shoulders above the rest, or who the very talented. The Lord uses all kinds of people. And we've noticed here, if you look in the text, linen makers and and cloth weavers and. Pottery makers and gardeners, those who work with shrubs and, and plants and dishes. And I think probably uh, this pottery here is the clay pots, the simple, ordinary uh, pots that are they're not are very expensive, although they're getting more and more expensive. They used to be very cheap. If you go and try to buy a clay pot, they're, they're pricey, and, uh, but they're just simple clay pots. And, that's, and, and the earthenware uh, implements that they would use for water in, in the daily round of life. We have no right to think that our corner of the vineyard is superior to someone else's or less important than, than someone else's. Either either way, we're all co-laborers in the vineyard of the Lord. We, we notice there in the scripture reading tonight, in the church at Corinth, a very blessed church. One of the important churches of the New Testament, which unfortunately is more known and preached about by its faults than its uh, good points. But I I want you to know that the church of Corinth was a very important and blessed of the New Testament churches. But there had become this uh, idea that there were some uh, better or more notable ministers than others, and and Paul uh, mentions that. And he asks a series of questions. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers, and that word there is slaves, servants, those who... Or just at the bottom pole totem pole by whom you believed even as the lord gave to every man even though you came to know the lord by their various ministries it was the lord that opened your eyes and, and caused you to be saved by their ministry he said i've planted apollos watered but god gave the increase you plant a seed in the soul; only god can make that seed die It has to die is that our children sing to us this morning and and bring forth fruit. And do you know only God can do that? All the fertilizer in the world can't do it. The most rich soil, I was reading recently about composting and how to do it. My compost pile just doesn't produce like what I see others do. And it dawned on me, I guess you have to go out there and turn it and do a little bit more than what I'm doing to it to make it the rich soil that it should be. But do you know the the richest compost on earth cannot make a seed grow forth? That is a mysterious miraculous deed that God does every time a seed brings forth a plant and then and then fruit. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Did you get that? In case you didn't understand, let me say that again. He that plants is nothing. And neither he that waters, he's a nobody. It's God that gives the increase. Isn't it amazing that God lets us plant and water and weed and and, and do all of that and prune in his vineyard for his honor and glory. Now, he that planteth and watereth are one. No, 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 one is not better than the other. The kindergarten teacher who planted the word of God is just as important, just as necessary as the pulpit ministry here this morning. We all are planting and watering. They're one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Some might think the pastor, the preacher, uh, would have a greater reward than the nursery worker. But I'll tell you, those nursery workers there, whispering in the ears and reciting verses to those babies, are doing the, the, the foundation work for everything else that we'll do here. Isn't that amazing? And the primary teachers, we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's planting. You're God's building. Again, he gives various illustrations here. A building, a planting, according to the grace of God, the gifts of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Another is built thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Some people think it's okay. At least I did it. There I did. I did it. That's all. They never take in account how, the motivation, why the how behind what we're doing. And we ought to often take a a, a moment as we're doing here this evening and just look back as workers and planters and potters among the hedges in the kingdom of the Lord to take note, how am I doing? Why am I doing it? What is the motivation? Am I giving it my best? Am I sacrificing uh, in this area of, of serving the Lord? We serve a great king. And he calls us and he equips us And he places us in our places in the kingdom. We notice in the parable of the talents, severally, as he sees fit, he knows exactly what he can trust us with and what we should be doing. But it's for his honor and glory. Now, we see great variety in the kingdom. We see a great variety in the human body, the cells and the members of the body. There's such variety here. In the in the uh, uh, garden, for example, the hedges and all that he mentions here, the different kinds of workmen. One thing we see: the Lord loves variety. He made a myriad of creatures and plants and, and animals, and and all of us are absolutely different. There are no two of us alike. You know, just as as every snowflake is different. All of that points to a Creator who has who delights in intricacy and design and variety. And not all are, if if you go along with the analogy of the king, not all are ladies-in-waiting, not all are lords and nobility, not all live at court in the palace at this time, but all are employed in the service of the king for the glory of the king. God is a God of variety, and he is greatly pleased with our various callings and abilities. Oh, how wonderful our Lord is. He sees a little boy, and he... Uh, knows what he's going to be, and he gives various people to come along in that little boy's life to impress him and to teach him and to guide him because the Lord sees what he's going to call him to be down the road there, and he gets great uh, glory and delights in working in children's lives and then young people's lives and older people's lives. Notice the various callings and abilities that he gives us now. I marvel at that when I see people do things with their hands and, and uh, jobs that I just can't ha- have any uh, any uh, imagination or any ability of how they do it. When I think of the potters and those who dwelt among the plants and the hedges that our verse points out, I think of the Sunday school teachers, the Iwana workers, and those who can keep those little kids' attention for any length of time. And I marvel at the, at the children's choir, how beautiful. You'd be hard put to find a better with, with more time, I know they just do it on Sunday morning, but I marvel how quickly they learn the verses they learn and how how moldable they are these we, we are, uh, serve as potters i think of those who who work in the children's church and the special church across the street and those who help the teachers and assist the leaders and who ride the bus and and help people in and out all those those jobs and the nursery workers as i've mentioned and those who sing in the choir and play the instruments it takes a, a great host of people to do the lord's work here at glen iris the church is the garden of the lord and uh, there's nothing more beautiful than a, than a beautiful garden. I, I love looking at gardens and plants and, and all that. Have you ever seen how they, they train the trees on the side of a, a, a wall to grow? And all different kinds of things that can be. The grafting, for example. I just amaze at how they do that. All the different varieties of things. And uh, the beauty in all of that. The church is the garden of the Lord. And we have to, to nurse the tender plants and guide them and teach them in the doctrine of God. And, and the, there is a place for each one of us to, to do that. I trust you'll seek the Lord and, and to find your your place. If you were to visit this, this campus on any day of the week, you'd find all kinds of things being done. Amazing. It, all, it amazes me. Uh, senior saints being ministered to, uh, people uh, helping others and visiting and making the, 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 uh, the boxes and the, the, the mail out. All, we could just go on and on the things that are done here the visitation, the children brought in on buses. The king expects in all of his kingdom, uh, to, to work for him. But not only God, do we see that God uses all kinds of people, the variety that we see in his work, and all of us have a place. I want us to notice, secondly, here in the text, that those who work for the king must abide with the king. Notice there again, these were the potters, and those that dwelt among the plants in the hedges. There they dwelt with the king for his work. They must abide with the king. The the, the Hebrew word for dwelt there in verse 23 is yashat. And it means to sit down, to abide, to remain, to fellowship with. This is the secret for working for the king, this abiding, this dwelling with him. Well, our Lord tells us clearly this in John chapter 15. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman or the gardener. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Do you see that abiding? That's the word dwelling. They dwelt with the king. Abide in me. This is the secret for fruitfulness. This is the secret for the garden of the Lord. As, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself the branch has to be attached doesn't it you cut off a branch uh, if you i was reading about pruning this week and the, the rule of thumb is don't prune in the winter time wait until the spring uh, the, the rule is prune only something that you know is dead and that's kind of hard in the winter to know if something's dead not. i always break it back and there's any green underneath there then i know it's dead but you have to be careful the rule of thumb is don't prune until the spring and then you can see what's dead and what needs to be cut And it's the best time for the the plant to heal itself. But pruning is necessary. And our Lord knows just what to prune, doesn't he, in my life, in your life. He knows exactly what uh, to cut away. I see some people who may have been cutting back some things. (laughs) Leave the roses alone, Daniel, until until the spring there. Uh, And and, and he says, Abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide. You see, over and over he, again, he uses that word abide, stay connected to. Uh, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they burn. If you abide in me, dwell with the king, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so shall you be my disciples. Now, this is the, the beautiful picture that the Lord wants in his, in his work here. This is the secret place, the place of working, the place of fellowship. Uh, the Bible is very clear there. Be not as the hypocrites who do what they do on the streets to be seen of men. Verily I say, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, that private place, the secret place. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy father, which is in secret, shall, be, shall reward thee openly. Spurgeon, in his inimitable way, said, I have thought that some of our church members imagine that the cause of Christ was a coach and that they were to ride on it and that they would prefer the box seat or else a very comfortable seat in the middle of the coach, nor do they wish to be incommoded by too many fellow travelers. They do not like to be pressed for room, even in the pews. They would rather sit at ease and solace themselves with their own dignity and to ride to heaven in a quiet, respectable, comfortable sort of way. In fact, it would appear to me as if some of our friends imagined that when a man becomes a believer, he may repose on a silken couch and be carried to glory, never needed to do anything afterwards, but simply to dream himself into everlasting felicity. They get a nice creed that drugs their conscience. They settle down in some snug corner where they defy anybody to disturb their security. They select a sound minister who runs on one line that he never leaves. They listen sometimes, though not often too earnestly, to the plan and promises of the gospel. And when they have listened, they say they are fed. And if they ask about a minister, the question is, are you fed? And when it has got as far as the feeding, their interest is exhausted With the work and the faith and the labor of love, they never meddle. But let me assure you, as a matter of fact, that they that live with the king must work. They do not work that they may live with him, but they work because they live with him, because his grace has admitted them into his courts. And therefore, from that time, they begin to work with all diligence." The work must be a working church, or it is a museum. It is just another organization, and even an organization whose faith, whose members are not faithful and who don't pay their dues and do what that organization is purported to do whether it means is the daughters of the whatever or the you know the the mooses or the gooses or whatever those, those they die out, and we see that the, the church so often is just a dead organization. Hanging on and but it, it, every member must be employed serving, working, investing, inviting, visiting. but notice lastly, and the third thing I want us to see that it is his work. These were the potters and those that dwelt there among the plants and the hedges. Some would think that's lowly, menial work, wouldn't they, but the plants and the hedges have to be attended to, and there they dwelt with the king for his. Or may we never forget whose church it is, whose garden it is, whose vineyard it is, whose work it is. It is not mine. It is not yours. It is the king's. There they dwelt with the king for his work. His working according to a master plan. Do you know that God is the architect of what we do? do? Should be one that he devised among the Godhead in eternity past. He has ordained you to, to serve the king for such a time as this. You're called to the kingdom for this hour, for this time. Psalm 139, verse 13 says, Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought. In the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when then yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Someone is thinking, I know, I don't know much, I don't have much, so I'll just keep to myself and hide my one talent in the earth. Oh, no, no, that's the worst thing that can be done. Jesus said that it is a worthless and unprofitable servant who thinks like that. And uh, they, they just hide and not use what the Lord has given to them. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Use what you have. Use the opportunity, the life that you have. These fleeting moments of life is all that we have. Serve him with all that we have. And he will be greatly glorified. These were the potters. Those that dwelt among the plants and the hedges, and there they dwelt with the king for his work. May the Lord bless us and use us until he comes again. Now, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending our Savior to us, and Lord, for him being the example, working and laboring, showing us the pattern. And Lord, we ask that you equip us, and may we work according to your divine master plan, that you've so graciously given in the Word. May we be busy and labor for you and endure hardness as good soldiers and look forward to that day when we stand before you. May we all hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.